Hey, as we launch into the message this morning, uh, I recognize many of you have not been with us the last 16 or is this 17 maybe weeks in the book of Romans. Uh, we are, are studying this ancient letter that was written by uh, a guy by the name of the Apostle Paul. Uh, as far as church leaders go, the Apostle Paul was a Hall of Famer. Uh, he was probably the Apostle of Apostles. And uh, he wrote this uh, letter to a church in Rome. And uh, the essence of this letter really at the beginning was to demonstrate that as human beings, we are all born into sin and we sin. And that sin separates us from a holy and a loving God. And God cares so much about us that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die a death to pay a penalty that we could not ourselves pay. And that's really the, the essence of the gospel is that we can be right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, what all these folks uh, have, have just publicly professed that they have done. And so the question becomes, if getting to heaven is about Jesus and the gospel and grace and what God did on our behalf, then does it matter how we live our lives in a practical way on a day-to-day -day basis? Really, does it matter if we continue to sin? And that's uh, the question that we really find ourselves grappling with, or Paul does, in chapter 6. And so last week, Levi covered the first half of chapter 6 of Romans, and this morning, we're going to look at the second half of chapter 6 of Romans, verses 15 through 23. So if you happen to have a Bible with you or a, a smart device that you want to flip or uh, scroll to Romans chapter 6, starting at verse 15, uh, that would be great. So the Apostle Paul shares in this chapter what really is the secret sauce to living your best life to enjoying as much as you can possibly enjoy in life. And that's one of the things that makes this such a beautiful text. The message that I'm teaching this morning, I have entitled, Becoming a Slave in Order to Live Free. Becoming a Slave in Order to Live Free. And I would hope there would be some of you that would be thinking, Wes, that doesn't make any sense. Slaves are not themselves free. By very nature of being a slave, you do not possess your freedom. And I would say to you, in most slavery, that is the case. However, in Romans chapter 6, we're going to learn that there is a kind of slavery that produces incredible, incredible freedom. Last week at the beginning of chapter 6, we saw the Apostle Paul preemptively ask and answer a question that people would have about God's grace. And in verse 1 of chapter 6, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Before Paul sends his letter to the church in Rome, he already anticipates that there will be some people who is, as Levi said last week, believe that grace of God is a license to basically just sin. And after all, if we are saved by grace and not by something that we do or earning our own salvation, um, does it really matter how we live anymore? That's the question Paul is addressing. And, and, and the Apostle Paul, even at this time of, of writing, had been around the block several times. He was a wise individual. 
He anticipated and understood that there would be people that have this question, if we're forgiven already and it's by grace, should we just continue to live however we want? And Paul says, when it comes to living a life of sin, he says, by no means. Well, this must be a question that Paul wants all of us to address because he addressed it in in verse 1 of chapter 6. And at the very beginning of the text that we're going to look at this morning, in verse 15, there it is again, the same question Paul anticipates people will have about God's grace. So follow along as I read, starting in verse 15 of Romans chapter 6. It'll be on the screen as well if you want. Paul says, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I am using an example of everyday life, Paul says, because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you now are ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In the time that we have remaining this morning, I want to quickly point out just some of the truth that Paul conveys in this last half of chapter 6. And then we're going to close with spending a little bit of time thinking about how can we make this practical to our everyday life. Again, I find it interesting that Paul starts the chapter with the same question that he starts with in the middle. What then shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? In other words, if God's going to forgive us anyway, what's the big deal with the way that I live? If we're no longer under the law, but under grace, can't we just kind of do whatever we want? And for the second time in this chapter, Paul says emphatically, by no means. That's Paul's way of saying, are you absolutely kidding me? Nothing could be further from the truth. Absolutely not. Considering all that Jesus Christ did to pay our sin debt, it would make absolutely no sense to just continue to live a life of sin. Now, when I first read this, I kind of wondered, why would Paul ask and answer this same important question related to how we address God's grace? 
And my first thought was to think of the original group of people that Paul was writing in ancient Rome, in, in the church in Rome. And, and I thought, you know, I wonder if Paul knew that these people in Rome were practicing cheap grace, that, that they really didn't appreciate or understand all that Jesus Christ had done in order to purchase their forgiveness, in order to pay their sin debt. Maybe these people just don't get it. And that might have been true. But as I continued to ponder this question, why would, would Paul take the time to ask and answer the same question twice? I began to think about the fact that the Bible is a supernatural book and it is written for people of all times. It was written for those people in, in early Rome, but it was also written for you and I today. So it got me to thinking that maybe Paul is not just addressing those people in ancient Rome. Maybe he's got a good reminder for you and I in the church today. Could it be that you and I need to be reminded that while Christians are not sinless, that means we are not without sin, Christians are to sin less. That, that people who have been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ have been freed from the power and the control that sin has on our lives. Last week, Levi made it clear that we are not to be Dory Christians. Maybe you realized or re remembered him saying we aren't to just keep sinning and sinning and sinning. And this includes the obvious sins in our lives that, that people could point to and see. But, but it also includes the less obvious sins as well. You know, I don't like to, to think about this or believe this about myself, but I know that it's, that it's true and it's probably true of you as well. Most of us are convinced that we are less sinful than we really are. Most of us are convinced that we are less sinful than we really are. Maybe you haven't committed an, an armed robbery this week, and I, I hope you haven't, and I hope you won't next week either. But, but I wonder if there are ever times where you have thought things like, you know, it's really not that big of a deal. It's not like I'm stealing it. I'm just borrowing this from my employer. I, I'm going to bring it back at some point. Or, or maybe you've thought something like, everybody does it. Everybody fudges on their taxes a little bit. Everybody stretches the truth once in a while. Or maybe you can relate to sharing something that someone shared with you in confidence under the guise of, I really wasn't gossiping, I was just passing along a prayer request. Sadly, I, I can, can relate to these things because I've been guilty of some of these things. In chapter 6, Paul uses an analogy of slavery that everybody in that time could understand. And he used it in order to convey an important spiritual truth. And it's this. Paul would say spiritually lost people, people apart from Jesus Christ, are enslaved to sin. But Christians followers of Jesus Christ, people who have responded to the gospel are to be enslaved rather to sin. We are to be enslaved to God, to obedience to God. This first type of slavery, it leads to death 
in some form or fashion. The second kind of slavery leads really to an abundant and a full life. And this is the theme of chapter 6 of Romans. When a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ, God frees them to begin to radically enjoy life in a way they never could without him. And that freedom comes in a form of slavery. Take a look at verse 16 again. Paul says, Do you not know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey. If I had my own Bible, that would be a line that I would underline. You are slaves to the one you obey. Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. Paul makes it really pretty simple. We are enslaved to whatever appetite we choose to obey. That means that at some level, all of us uh, have some form of master that we serve. We are slaves to something. Workaholics are slaves to work. People who uh, are materialistic are, are slaved to possessions and to, to pursuing possessions. People pleasers, and, and I can struggle with this, are, are enslaved to the opinions of others. A, a narcissist is a slave, well, to themselves. Helicopter parents are enslaved to the happiness of their children, and without realizing it, they're turning their children into little narcissists. You see how all this works. As human beings, we can all have a tendency to become enslaved to something. We can be enslaved to food. We can be enslaved to smartphones or social media. We can be enslaved to our image or to our GPA or to working out or to even sports teams. I love the fact that Paul just keeps it so simple and honest. And so this morning, I want to simply walk through again a little more of, of the end of chapter 6, just some of his thought progression through this chapter that I read earlier, and then simply end with some practical application. Look at verse 17 again. Paul tells us that a spiritually lost person is enslaved to sin. When I say enslaved to sin, what I mean by that, what I believe Paul means by that, is under its control. We have an inability to get away from it. Paul says in verse 17, But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, there's that control uh, element there, you wholeheartedly obeyed from the teaching to which we, are, we have been entrusted, the gospel. Paul reminds us that before responding to the gospel, as people, we are literally controlled by the sin that ensnares us. Uh, a person apart from Jesus Christ, living apart from that relationship, really has no power to do anything but what they are doing. Levi said a couple of weeks ago, and I believe this is true, that none of us has to be taught how to sin. We are actually born with a sin nature. Those of you who have young children realize this. You don't have to teach them to be selfish or greedy. It's said often that we are sinners not because we sin as much as we are sinners uh, or we sin because we are sinners. We, we are, are not sinners as much as because we sin, but because we sin because we are sinners. I didn't say that very well, but I think, they, I think they got it. Yeah, all right. Let's move on. Verse 19. Paul says, Slavery to sin 
grows worse and worse. And I don't know if you're here this morning. I, I actually can think of an area or two of my life that, that I struggle with sin that I need to remember this. That, that sin and slavery to specific sins even can grow worse and worse. In verse 19, Paul says, I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. He's saying, I'm using this example of slavery to, to make a point that you might not otherwise understand. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. Paul is simply making the point that sin in and of itself is ever increasing. It seems to work like an appetite. The more you feed it, the more uh, it grows. Someone starts by telling um, maybe what they consider a very small lie. And then before long, they have to tell a second lie to protect the first lie that they, they told. And before too long, there's this whole web of lives that, that a person is having to manage. Uh, that's, that's kind of this feature. It grows like a snowball. And, and many other areas of sin work the same way. Another feature of sin that we don't often think about is this, that the more comfortable we, we are with sinning, the more comfortable we get with, with that sin. Over a certain period of time, our conscience can get to the point where doing something we know we shouldn't be doing bothered us at one time. And down here, as it progressed, it's even much worse than it was when it started. And yet it doesn't seem to bother us anymore. That's one of the dangers of sin. This week, I read a powerful quote by a guy by the name of Paul Tripp. And if you ever get any uh, opportunity to read or listen to Paul Tripp, you would benefit from doing so. And Paul Tripp says this, the general delusion of every act of sin is that, it can, that we can be disloyal to God. In other words, we can be disobedient to God and everything will work out fine in the end. Paul says that sin uh, will become a wicked, wicked master and it has the ability to begin to control us and even destroy our lives. So that's a lot of talk about sin, but here is the good news. Paul says in verse 18, authentic Christians, people who have responded to God's free offer of grace, uh, who have responded to the gospel, are free from the power of sin. And as such, we have a new master to use this slavery uh, illustration that Paul's using. In verse 18, Paul says, you have been set free from sin and it becomes slaves to righteousness. Uh, in verse 22, Paul says, we have been set free from sin in order to be slaves to God. Through Christ, we are free from slavery to sin. Now, we still have a sin nature. In other words, even if you love Jesus and you're trying to center your life on Jesus, there are going to be things that you're still going to struggle with. Uh, we haven't lost the... Uh, our sin nature, but our sin nature has lost its power and its control over us because we have a new master. We have a choice now to become slaves to righteousness or simply slaves to doing our very best to obeying God. And this is Paul's challenge to anyone in the church of Rome. This is Paul's challenge to any of you who have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. 
is simply this. Essentially, Paul is making the argument that followers of Jesus need to understand that we have a new master, and he is a much, much better master. It, it still kind of works like, a, like a, a type of slavery, but it is not in any way the same. Once we were enslaved to sin, in verse 21, Paul reminds us that those results were kind of bad. Think about your life at one point in time, maybe before you uh, became a follower of Jesus or really tried to um, allow him to change your life and, and think about what your life was like. And then listen to verse 21. Paul asks the people in Rome, what benefit did you reap at that time from the things that you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. Paul seems to be asking a really good question. How was your life before Jesus uh, took control of it? What kind of joy or satisfaction did you get from a life focused on sin? Did it bring you any real meaning or purpose to your life or, or benefit to your life? Paul says sin leads to death. Sometimes that's a, a literal physical death. Sometimes uh, that's a spiritual death, uh, but there are always, always consequences when we pursue our sinfulness. Uh, a favorite um, Bible teacher of mine is an older guy by the name of Chuck Swindoll. Many of you may know Chuck Swindoll, but, but he often says this, we're free in life to make our own choices, but we're not free from the consequences of those choices. That's good stuff. We're free in life to make our own choices, but we're not free from the consequences of those choices. We can choose to be enslaved by sin and reap a form of death, or we can choose to be enslaved by obedience to God and be freed to live a life that is filled with lasting joy and peace and will eventually lead to eternal life. I hope you've come to understand what he means by that. Paul simply in, in chapter 6 is reminding us that there are two different kinds of slavery that we can experience. But these two forms of slavery couldn't be any more different. One is rigorous and it's relentless and it leads to death of some kind. The other is joyous and satisfying and leads to a life of peace and joy. God's grace sets us free from being enslaved to sin. We can choose a new master who invites us to a very new kind of slavery. Uh, a kite, for example, is enslaved to the string that it's attached to. If, if you cut the string on a kite, there will be no more freedom for that kite to fly. And in fact, it will crash to the ground. Slavery to God frees us up to fully be who he caused us to be or desired for us to be. And I don't know about you, but that's the kind of life that I want to experience. That's the kind of stuff that uh, people here that have testified to the way Christ is working in their lives have experienced. So let's think about all that Paul said from a day-to-day -day kind of a basis. What does it mean or what does it look like in a practical way to choose to be a slave to obeying God, a slave to righteousness. First of all, I want you to know, if you make a commitment to, to giving your life to Jesus Christ and centering your life on Jesus, it will not look like perfection. 
Uh, as we've already mentioned, we still have a sin nature. We're still going to struggle at times. Uh, what trips you up might not trip me up. What trips me up might not trip you up. But all of us, until we get to heaven, are going to continue to struggle at times with sin. However, we have all kinds of resources at our disposal. We have the indwelling uh, Holy Spirit of God. We have God's Word. Uh, we have one another to encourage and sharpen one another. Uh, all kinds of resources. And because of all of that, um, Christians, followers of Jesus, even though we are going to continue to struggle, we should live lives that look increasingly more and more like the life of Jesus Christ. We should see some level of spiritual growth. And before I finish with giving you just a, a few quick practical um, suggestions or steps to doing that, this is a good time for me to ask you and to ask myself. Because we should, as followers of Jesus, see some spiritual growth taking place in our lives. That, that, that looks a lot different for different people. The question I have for us to think about is, are you and I, if you are in a relationship with Jesus, are, are we currently growing to look more and more like Jesus? Give, give that some personal thought. So here's some practical steps that we'll finish with. Steps for uh, if you choose to, again, become a slave to obedience to Christ. What does that actually look like? The first thing it might look like is starting your day out with a, an attitude or a heart that says, this day, Lord, is surrendered to you. You might make the decision before you even get out of bed in the morning to simply say something like this to the Lord. Lord, I surrender this complete day to you. My life is yours. Everything that I have, everything that I am belongs to you, and I entrust it into your hands. Any material things that I possess, any of my stuff is not mine, but it's yours. You may choose to do with it as you see fit. Show me how you want to use my personality today. Show me how you want to use my job skills, the way that you've knit me together. Show me how you want to use my abilities or even my disabilities in a way that advances your kingdom here on earth. Use my relationships, Lord, to your honor and to your glory. So that type of a prayer, that type of a heart's approach, before you even got out of bed in the morning, what a great way to say, I am enslaved to, to obedience to you. The second thing would be simply this, some regular time studying the Bible. You heard Flo talk about the difference that it's made in his life to actually study and memorize and think about God's Word. Um, I want to give you three quick verses. They'll be on the screen. Micah 6.8 says this, He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. If you decide to center your life on Jesus and you read that in the morning, it simply would help you understand God's desire is for me to treat everybody that I see fairly. God's desire is for me to have compassion on other people. God's desire is for me to walk humbly with him throughout this day. In Matthew seven twelve, it records Jesus' words. He says, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. If you were to choose to be a slave to righteousness and you were to read that, you would simply say, 
I want to treat others today the way that I want to be treated. That's practicing the golden rule. Very, very simple stuff. And finally, Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, consider others better than yourselves. What, what Paul is saying is that real freedom, real joy, real peace in life is found by being other-focused rather than being selfish. So if you read that and you chose to do that, you would again be enslaving yourself to God and experiencing the wonderful fruit that comes from that. Third thing you could choose to do, pray throughout the day. Uh, so many people think that when you pray, you've got to be at a bedside or in a church and your hands got to be folded and you've got to be kneeling or, or whatever. And, and no, prayer is just simply talking with God. So pray when you get up in the morning, pray as you're fixing breakfast, pray as you're driving to your, to your work, pray while you're at school, pray while you're at work and on your way home, all, all of those things. Just carry on a regular conversation with God. And, and I guarantee you that, that if you are regularly praying, and you are regularly um, reading God's word, you're going to begin to feel like he is communicating and giving you some daily instruction for your life. Another form that daily instruction for our life comes is, is, is step number four. When you sense the Holy Spirit of God speaking to you, simply do your best to obey. W what does that look like? The Bible says that when we have put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ that the literal spirit of God comes and indwells us, uh, lives within our hearts. And so you might have had an argument with your kids and you go into the kitchen and you leave the family room and in your head, in your heart, you hear a still small voice saying, you need to go back in and apologize to your children for being short with them. You were right in what you said, but you were wrong in your approach. You need to go in and, and, and apologize to them. You might be on your way to work and, and look at your neighbor's yard, and instead of a critical spirit, like why do they not have their, their leaves raked, you might hear a voice that says, you know, when you get back from work tonight, you would have the time to rake their leaves. And that, that can be and, and, and is the Holy Spirit speaking to you. It's very consistent with what, what the Bible would say. Um, all kinds of different ways to, to think about that. But when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, kind of taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, I've got something for you, rather than ignoring that or, or thinking that was your lunch or whatever, listen to it and obey. Now, when it comes to listening to the Holy Spirit, we also encourage you, always test that with the Bible. The Holy Spirit will never, ever be in contradiction to God's word. So if he asks you to do something and you say, based on what I know about the Bible, that seems pretty consistent, follow through. When God speaks, obey. The last thing is simple as well. If you want to be a slave to righteousness, when you fail, when you blow it, when you sin, simply confess it, receive God's forgiveness, and then move on. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Paul elsewhere in Philippians chapter 3 says, Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. That's kind of Paul's motto. Don't get caught up in your past. Your past is over. Don't let yesterday's failures derail you from what God has for you today.
As I close, I want to read, and the, the band can come on up here. I want to read Galatians 6, 7 through 9. This is Paul basically restating Romans chapter 6 in many ways. Paul says in Galatians 6, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from that Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at a proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Church, the question I have for you and the question I have for myself, in a practical way, who or what are we enslaved to? There is great, great freedom to choosing to come under the obedience of Jesus Christ and, and live for him. Let me have a word of prayer and then the band will, will lead us in a final closing song. Lord, it's not easy to look at sin and to think about it and uh, to realize that probably again that, that truth really is that we struggle with it more than we'd like. But, but Lord, I am so thankful that you loved us enough that um, you were willing to die on a cross to, to pay the penalty for that. Uh, Lord, I, I thank you so much that um, your word is set up in such a way that if we choose to die to ourselves, to our own agenda, to our own selfishness, to our own way of thinking, and become enslaved to what you have for us, there is incredible freedom that, that is to be ours. There is incredible joy and peace and a life like, like maybe some people here have never even begun to experience. So we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for the Apostle Paul and the things that we've heard. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would impress what you want us to remember and to apply to our lives uh, on our hearts as we leave here today. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So there is a danger in hearing a message like we just heard from Pastor Wes and from the Apostle Paul. We talked a lot about sin today. And if you don't know the heart of Jesus Christ, then you might be thinking rather critically, oh, here we go, another Christian church that just wants to tell me how sinful I am and bark at me and get on Facebook and rant and rave about it. And you would be missing it because that is not the heart of this place, of Wes, or of this church. I do not want you to miss the invitation that was given to you this morning. The reality is, like uh, the great theologian Bob Dylan once said, you've got to serve somebody. And I would change that and say, you are serving somebody. And whether, the, the question is, who, who am I serving? Am I serving a cruel master that wants to kill, steal, and destroy from me and lead me ultimately to my death? And that is what sin is. Or do I want to serve a loving God who has good in mind for me, a path towards love, a path toward peace, and a path toward, path towards joy? When we talk about sin and we talk about what, what Pastor West talked about this morning, that is the invitation that has been set before you. It's not, it's not, hey, don't do this, don't do that. We're not defined by what we do. We're defined by who we serve. And we are serving someone. Are we serving sin, who's going to lead us towards our death, or are we going to choose to serve a good God who loves us and wants us to experience joy and peace and eventually eternity with him in bliss forever? That choice, you are free to make. And I hope that if you have not made that choice yet, that today would be that choice. And if you make it, Let's get you baptized. All right? Let's pray, and we can be on our way. Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for providing us a way to get out from under the control of sin. 
Father, we are not ashamed to call sin what the Bible calls sin, and yet, Lord, we never want to be a church that is defined by what we're against. We want to be defined by the hope that you give us in Jesus. You've given us a new way to be human, a better way to be human. Uh, you've made us a ability to, or you've given us the ability to be recreated, made into a new creature, made into a being that can enjoy a love relationship with you and experience your love and your peace and your joy and your glory because you've agreed to share it with us for those of us who have expressed faith in Jesus Christ. I pray this morning that if there's anyone here who is still serving that cruel mistress, sin, that you would free them this morning and enable them to follow you as their Lord and Savior, come under your mastery and become a slave to righteousness. Would you make us all more holy, more lovely, more lovable in Jesus so that we might experience joy and peace and freedom this holiday season. We love you, Lord, for doing for us what we could never do for ourselves. Help us believe in faith and walk by faith increasingly like Jesus walked. Make us more and more sinless, Lord. For your glory and our joy we pray. Amen.